Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Hot Off The Mess. I'm your host, Samantha Bush, and I'm so fucking excited to be back in the mic. It is Friday. We've made it through the week. I don't know how we did it. It feels like this week has been just a lot going on. You know, the submersible has just really taken over the minds and hearts of of the world. You know, we've been following that thing down to the fucking minute, we have some updates there. I have a very interesting story I do want to share. I don't know if if many people know about it, so I'm excited to get into that. Um, of course, I'm going to be talking about Rehouses of Orange County, my newfound love of Emily Simpson, you know, the huge, the, the ramblings, the nonsense. Um, we're here. And if you hear Barbara in the back, my apologies. She's been so chatty today. Not just today every day. And I had, you know, I usually have to lock her out now because she climbs on my desk. She rubs her face on the mic. It's like this whole thing. She knocks things over. It's a mess. Um, but you know, I don't like locking her out because then I feel bad. It's like a whole thing. Um, but I've had like such a productive morning. You guys, you have no idea. I took Ruby to the groomer. I went to the grocery store. I got flowers from my apartment. They're beautiful. They're peonies, pink, and then like this deep purple, very pretty. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm channeling all of my anxiety of Ruby being dropped off at the groomers into this podcast because I truly hate dropping her off at the groomer. It is the, one of the most stressful, anxiety-inducing experiences for me because this is my baby. This is my angel. And I just get worried that, like, I'm going to show up and, like, something bad will have happened to her. And I don't know why. But so not to be, like, a loser. But when you first get a dog, like, I feel like a lot of people join the dog breeds, like, Facebook groups. Or, like, they like to do a lot of research on, like, the dog breed. This is probably very normal. I don't know why I'm acting like this is like, so strange. Because it's like, yeah, bitch, duh. So when I first got her, I knew she was part Great Pyrenees. Like, that's what I thought she was mostly um but you know, her, that's what I thought her breed was mostly basically. So I joined like a great Pyrenees, like Facebook group because I just like wanted to like learn more about the breed, like what people were saying. And, um, there's a horror story. So what you have to know about if you ever want to get a great Pyrenees is they have an undercoat. So dogs like, um, great Pyrenees, uh, Newfoundland, like what Gracie has her dog blue, um, Huskies, Chow Chows, those kind of dogs, they all have undercoats, which means that it, that level of their fur like helps protect them um, and helps like regulate their temperature. It's like just very important. And if you ever, ever shave it, it will never grow back the same. And they're basically fucked. OK, so this woman sends her Great Pyrenees to the groomer and she says she's like, they're Great Pyrenees. Like it's pretty obvious when a dog is a Great Pyrenees because they're like these big, huge, gigantic white dogs, like massive dogs. Um, Ruby's actually like so, so tiny because she's mixed with Husky and Chow Chow um, as well as Pitbull. She's actually majority Pitbull. Then she's so she's like, th- oh, why am I sharing that? I'm so sorry. She's like 38% Pitbull, 36% Great Pyrenees. And then the rest is like Chow Chow and Husky. So she's got a lot of undercoat vibes. So anyway, this woman in this group, she sends her dogs to the groomer. She tells them, you know, she's Great Pyrenees. Let's trim her up, feather her, whatever. Like cut, you know, if the feathering is like what they said. She comes back, her dog is completely shaved, completely shaved. And this isn't a doodle 
situation. Because I have so many thoughts on people that get curly-haired dogs and don't properly brush them or take care of them. Like, it drives me insane. Because then they go pick their dogs up and they're so upset because their dog is shaved and ugly. Well, you need to... If you have a dog that has curly hair like a a poodle or a doodle, you should be brushing them once a day. Period. So it's really... I don't understand. Like, my mom and I had a Bichon... And we learned this lesson the hard way. Here comes Barb. We learned this lesson the hard way because he had like a really curly coat, like a like a doodle, for example. Um, and we didn't it was our first dog. We didn't know what we were fucking doing. So we didn't know you had to brush them. And so when we picked him up from the groomer, he was completely naked. And like my mom had a complete meltdown in the car because she's like, I'm the bad mother. Like it was a whole thing. So then we learned like you have to brush them a lot to make sure that they don't that doesn't happen plus like mats and stuff like that are just so uncomfortable on their skin so if you have a poodle or a doodle please 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 brush them please and then they won't get shaved and it also will be more comfortable for them but anyway so it's just like my greatest fear that like these people are gonna like shave my dog so I looked at this woman I've never taken them here I've never taken Ruby here uh, my mom takes her dog there and when I dropped Winston off there for her um they were really, really nice. You could tell that they were really passionate about what they did. Like I just really got a good vibe. So I dropped her off. It's called Bubbles and Bark and it's, you know, near me. And I'm just really, I'm really on edge, you guys. That's why I'm talking like this because I'm so anxious about this. And I told them, I was like, do not shave her. I don't want a blade near her. And the thing is she's never matted. Um, And I also, being a a fairly new dog owner myself, I didn't know you had to get your dog, like, I didn't know I had to get Ruby groomed as often as I actually do. I, like, had no idea. I thought people with, like, regular haired dogs, like, didn't have to go as often. I don't know what I was thinking, but I really had no clue. And Danny would say to me, he's like, Sam, she looks insane. And, of course, she's, like, my child, so I think she's beautiful and stunning all the time so I thought he was in I thought he was being so rude I was like she is beautiful stunning and gorgeous like how dare you even say this to me and he was like no she looks like a street rat like you need to take her in and sure enough I he was cracked and that kills me to say that it really kills me but you know we live and we learn and we're 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 trying okay we're trying so I now take her like every eight weeks because like she doesn't really need it like that often she's not like a doodle or a poodle or a Bichon or a Shih Tzu. Like she's not one of those kind of dogs. But anyway, enough about that. I want to talk about the submersible. So it's been discovered that it's imploded. And they're saying that it imploded on Monday. Like they've like James Cameron, the director of the Titanic, um, knew about this on Monday. So I'm like, well, then why were they acting like they're sending ROVs down there and they're like looking for them and like doing all this? Like if they know that they're dead, like it just seems stupid. I feel duped. I feel conned. Um, You know, I feel like Vicky Gunvalson screaming. I was conned in the middle of Punta Cana. Um, so I'm just like, hmm. it was confused. It's confusing to me, but this is what's fascinating. So you guys, in the movie Titanic, there's this old couple that at the very end when the ship is, you know, going down, that they go down together. And James Cameron depicted them on the bed, spooning each other, like ready to die together. And it's like so moving because it's like, you know, obviously it's just emotional. So th- these are based on real people. A real couple who died on the Titanic in 1912, Isidore and Ida Strauss. So get this. Their descendant, Wendy Rush, is married to Ocean Gate CEO Stockton Rush, who was aboard the Titan and died. And the Titan is the submersible, if you didn't know. I was fucking floored. This is not a coincidence. This doesn't feel... It feels so strange. Like, how did he meet the descendant of people who died on the Titanic? It was her great-great-granddaughter, Wendy Rush, is connecting her family to the Titanic. The New York Times reported that Rush is married to the CEO of Ocean Gate, Stockton Rush, who is currently missing on the sub. Well, we know he's not missing anymore. He's now passed. Um, 
they found the front and the back end of the submersible, which means that the thing imploded. Um, I hope for their sake, it was like a quick death. Like it wasn't, you know, they, I hope they didn't suffer. Um, it's just really crazy, you know, that, that she's like a descendant and like she lost someone else in her. I mean, she obviously didn't know her great, great grandparents, but she lost someone in her life, you know, in relation to the Titanic. It's just really, it's really crazy. I don't know. But the Strauss family, so this is some fun facts. The Strauss family was considerably wealthy. In 1896, Isidore, the man who died upon, on the Titanic, and his brother Nathan gained full ownership of Macy's. That is crazy. This woman is like a Macy's heir. Isidore had been a congressman representing New York's 15th congressional district from 1894 to 1895. Like he, these people in the Titanic, you guys, they were rich as hell. Not all of them, obviously. Um, but there was a lot of rich people aboard the Titanic. Very crazy. Like one of the Guggenheims. I was, you know, Gracie and I were deep balls deep into the Titanic docks the other day. We were, um, so we do this thing called spooky night. I don't know if you guys do this. If you have long distance best friends or in your long distance relationship, I highly recommend you. Pr- I mean, you probably already do this, but we like pick a movie. It used to be scary movies only because we love to be spooked. Um, and we would make sure that we time it like perfectly. So it starts at the same time. We FaceTime each other usually the whole time or we just text the whole time. So we're like, let's do this again. But with Titanic docs. So we watch some docs. Um, there's the Titanic 20 years later on Disney Plus. I think that came out in like 2017, 2018. Um, really fascinating. Like these people that worked in the Titanic, I mean, you can't tell me that James Cameron's not the best filmmaker of our time. Like he really went all in. He wanted to know every single detail of the Titanic. I mean, down to like he was doing like science experiments, trying to figure out how it really broke in half and how long did it take to hit the bottom and blah, 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 blah. And like it was really, really fascinating. And something Gracie and I really took away from this was they mentioned um, the shoes that were on the bottom of the seafloor because the bodies of these people have disintegrated due to like the salt water and everything like that. But the shoes remain. So they kept talking about the shoes and they were like, we would take moments of silence. Sometimes the men, the scientists working on this film and the filmmakers, producers, et cetera, would have to like step away and like take a minute when they're like processing like what really happened like thousands of lives were lost this is a mass grave site when we go down and visit the titanic like we have to respect that and that was something really powerful to us we were like wow like it's about the shoes it's all about the shoes they mentioned the shoes and we just started using that as like a measuring tool of like if people like are decent people right so then we watched the other one so there's another one on um, Disney Plus called Draining the Titanic. And I was like, let's watch this one. And I was like, this sounds interesting. It was the worst fucking 15 minutes of my life because like we didn't get through it all because it was so horrible. The people that are in this documentary are like they circle jerk to the Titanic. Like they have it felt like they had no respect for what took place that day and night and like what went down and like how many lives were lost and like how many people were affected by this and like how many people had PTSD from like watching their loved ones like fucking die in the Titanic because they're on lifeboats like fucking crazy they and then guess who fucking popped up one of the dudes that was aboard this submersible and I'm sitting there and I'm like that's the guy John Henry John Henry is on this submersible and he never mentioned the shoes. It was more of like, it felt like just in the words of Heather DeBrow, like it just felt hollow to me. Like it just felt like this, like a, like a conqueror, like he wanted to be a conqueror and he wanted to like just see the Titanic just to like take selfies with it. And like, it just felt gross. And I was like, fuck this guy. I know that he's since passed, but this is how I felt when I was watching it. I know that he was on the submersible that imploded. And then we were like, fuck this. Let's watch another one because this is like just not good. So then we turned on the other one. I think it's called Back to the Titanic. It's also on Disney Plus. Um, 
It's really, really good. It's again, like, you know what? They mentioned the shoes and that, that was it for us. It was like, it all goes back to the shoes and it, you just, they had such a different like respect for this ship and like, it was just really interesting. And we were talking about it more and I, you know, of course I was thinking about it a lot this week and when we discovered, you know, it's unfortunate that it imploded and it's sad and it's horrible. And, but a part of me is like, you signed a waiver that said you could die three times on it. You paid, they're now reporting that they paid up to a million dollars to go on this fucking ship, to go on the submarine. I know that it was originally reported that they paid $250,000, but people are now saying that they paid more than that. And it's really sad because the, um, the 19 year old, he's like the only one I honestly feel sorry for like, and the loved ones of these people. Am I a bitch? I don't know. That's just how I feel. Um, he was, I guess, terrified to go on it. And he wanted to make his dad happy by going on this thing for father's day. I'm like, this is the most billionaire shit I've ever fucking heard. That's another thing. Like it just felt like these people were just really rich and they felt like they were invincible and they could like just do whatever they wanted. And like, they're going to go into this gravesite and take selfies with it and like, be like, yeah, I saw the Titanic, like just to say that they saw it. Not because they have like a real respect or like, like fascination type feeling towards it. Like when you, when you're watching back to the Titanic, am I okay? Am I an idiot? What am I talking about? This is a housewife podcast. I'm literally talking about submarines. I know so much about this fucking thing. It's really crazy. Like I know the inside and out of the submersible versus the one James Cameron used. It's really, I'm so embarrassing, but I become like hyper fixated and this is just like, you know, this is who I am. So anyway, this episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The scientists like that went down to the Titanic. This this document documentary came out in like 2020. And they're like, we haven't gone down there in like 15 years. So he's like, the ship will probably be very unstable because it's like getting, you know, eaten away like by these like organisms down there. They're forming these things called rusticles. It's like this whole thing. So he's like, we got to be careful. There's currents like he went down there and he didn't spend a lot of time down there, but he was like looking around and he was just in awe of this. And he was like, I mean, it's dangerous. He's like, my submarine is like being pulled by currents. Like it's a big fucking deal. This isn't like you just go down. This isn't scuba diving. This isn't going to look at the coral fucking reefs. This is like you're going to a mass grave site. Have some goddamn respect for the people who lost their lives. Thousands of people, majority poor people lost our lives that day and you're going to go down there and you're just going to take fucking selfies. It's just disrespectful. And it was really beautiful at the end. It gave Gracie and I a chill because they were talking about how like the Titanic is kind of creating life of its own with like being a home of like so many different organisms down there now. And like, it's becoming like a a core. It's becoming a reef is what they said, which is like really interesting when you think about it. It was fascinating, you know, um, that's just how I feel about the submersible. Like, obviously it's devastating for the families, um, who lost their loved ones, um, in this implosion. Um, but you know, you don't fuck with the ocean. You don't, no matter how much money you have, like, I just have some like class and decorum, you know, I don't know. That's just how I feel. It's like people that go to like, 9-11 memorial like ground zero and they take selfies like it's just like you don't do that like it's just disrespectful it's it's just weird like people that take pictures there like sitting on the 
like you know the plaque that has like all their names on it I'm just like this is really nasty Ugh. anyway that's how I feel about that so we're gonna do a hard left okay so I'm just gonna give everybody a second we're gonna process that okay now we're gonna talk about Kendall Jenner because I have so much to fucking say Kendall Jenner was in the online um, magazine version of the Wall Street Journal. And guys, the quotes that I've seen are really so interesting. Um, She's saying, okay, hang on, let me pull this up. I don't want to get it wrong, but I found it really funny. So there's a photo of her eating a strawberry in this tank top with the quote, I consider myself one of the luckiest people on the planet to be able to live the life that I live. But I do think that it's challenging for me a lot more than it's not. And then right after the quote, they said, Moo Moo tank top, Mew Mew, sorry, Moo Moo. <laughs> I'm so poor. I'm like Moo Moo, Mew Mew. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Sorry. Okay. Mew 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 tank top, $1,150. It's just a white tank top. Just a white one. So people are like obviously dragging her because it's like, you can't fucking say shit like this. It's so tone deaf and it's so out of touch to say shit like this. Like my life is so hard, even like more than it's not, but you're wearing a tank top that's $1,150. Like get fucking real bitch. It's just like, And I know everyone's going to be like, I even people with money have problems just like everyday people. It's like, I fucking know that. But we are like, read the room, read the fucking room. Like there are people that can't afford fucking rent. They can't afford groceries. And you're going to talk about how your life is harder than it's not while you're eating a strawberry posing for the Wall Street fucking journal. Your dad is an Olympian and your mom is Chris motherfucking Jenner. Are you well? It's so like tone deaf. I can't even handle it. And I've heard people be like, well, you know, like it probably is hard living the life and like being a celebrity. You know how many people would fucking kill to be in your position? This is like when celebrities were like complaining about like being trapped in their houses during COVID. Yeah, I'm sure that the people living in studio apartments in New York City would do chop off their left fucking hand to be in a two bedroom apartment during COVID. And you're in your mansions with your pools and your grounds and you're able to walk outside and do all that shit on your own fucking property because you're a billionaire. Your families are billionaires. Like, what are you? People are so stupid. They're so stupid. I'm sorry. Like, no, 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 no. I'm just I, I understand that, like, just because you have money, like you can still have problems like everybody else. Like, I get that. Like, I am not one of those people that like doesn't understand that. I fully get it. But I also think that you need to shut the fuck up when you're when we're living in like the times that we're living in right now where there's inflation and there's like, you know, a recession brewing. Who even knows what's going on with that? I I, I don't know. Guys, it's stressful. It's stressful. And you just hear Kendall Jenner talking about how her life is harder more times than it's not. Like you did this to yourself. Sorry, like you didn't have to become a model. You didn't have to do any of that if you didn't want to. Ugh. but then she went on to say to Wall Street Journal. She says, since I was really young, I felt out of place in my family. I was born into this life, but I didn't choose this life. I'm not built for fame by any means. I'm not good at it. I do it and I've learned how to do it. It took me almost 20 years to be like, okay, I guess I'm getting used to it now and it's fine. I get it. Kim's like, I used to go to Kitson on Robertson just to get photographed. I think she was built for this life, which I firmly believe is true. I don't think Courtney was built for this life. I don't think Kendall was built for this life. A part of me doesn't think Kylie was either. I think she's navigated the space in a very different way. She has much more of like just an online persona rather than like, a paparazzi style feeling like whereas like Kim like loves to be photographed and that's fine. Um, 
so I, I do hear Kendall when she says stuff like that. Like, I get that. Um, it's the, it's the, you know, my life is so hard. Well, you're in a $1,100 white tank top that looks like something I bought from Target for $9.99. So then she goes on to say, I obviously understand I fall under the umbrella of the Kardashian sisters. It's just weird to me because I am just like my dad in so many ways. I am such a Jenner in my opinion. I consider myself one of the luckiest. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this. Let's unpack. I have issue with this because I obviously get and I've watched the show since the very beginning and I know that she's kind of always said this like she's always felt like I'm a Jenner I'm athletic like I remember there was an episode where Kendall was like I'm so athletic and the Kardashians are not and Kim and Chloe are like we're the most competitive people on the planet like we'll fucking wreck you bitch um because obviously Caitlyn was an Olympian gold medalist like star so I hear her. I understand. But in a part of me, when I first read this, like it's such a pick me thing to try to say, like, I'm not like them. It's like, well, without them, you wouldn't be you. Period. Dot. Because even though she's a Jenner and, you know, Caitlyn was very famous given, you know, the Olympics and all of that. Kendall wouldn't be Kendall Jenner without Kim Kardashian. Like Kim paved the way for that entire family. And I feel like that probably feels like such a slap in the face to her when she like hears shit like that. Cause she's like, well, you're famous because of me, sweetie. Do you know how many people are out there that have famous parents that are athletes, gold medalists, like, you know, NBA championship winners? Like, do you know how many people are out there that you don't even know their fucking names, their kids? Yeah. So just because that she came from a Jenner family, you know, lineage doesn't mean that she would be the top paid model in the world that she was at one point. So it's just kind of crazy to be like, I'm not like them. It's like, well, you certainly like, you know, use what they've given you as 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 an advantage in your life. It's just like she's very tone deaf. Like I just wish people I just wish like I wish more celebrities, especially like Nepo babies would be like, I think God every fucking day. This is my life. I get to do this. I get she can retire right now and she would be fine. She could go off the grid and everyone would be fine with it. it. If she decided, I don't want to do this anymore, we would be like, okay, then don't. No one is making you do this. I That's what I don't understand. Like, go ride your horses. Like, go be a businesswoman and run 818, which is very successful. So I'm just like, it's it's kind of frustrating to be to hear someone be like, complain about being famous when it's like, that's clearly what you wanted. I don't know. It's one thing to be like, I wasn't built for this life. But she also chased it in her own way. She also chased, you know, a certain level of fame in her own way. And she always wanted to differentiate herself from her family um, publicly. But she can't ignore that without them, she wouldn't be who she is. That's just that's just facts. You got Chris Jenner as your mom. And you're looking at her and you say, I want to be a model. She's going to make you a model, babe. She's going to make you a fucking model. She's going to make you the number one model in the world. And I'm not sure if you guys seen her modeling, but it's lackluster. Okay? Lackluster. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, you know, I don't know. But this is another thing she says. I consider myself one of the luckiest people on the planet to be able to life to be able to live the life that I live. I'm not going to sit here and say, poor me about the attention, but I do think that it's pretty intense. People are more mean to my family in general. They take everything and make it a bad thing. Yeah, that's, you know, being famous. It's unfortunate, but that's the world we're living in. It's giving Harry and Meghan, you guys. What the fuck's going on with them? I talked about on Crown Jewels this week. People aren't going to like it, but I've really had it with them. Um... I am a champion of Megan. I love her. 
I want the best for her. I think that they have a beautiful love story. Um, but I think that ultimately they're lazy. Um, the fact that this Spotify deal is completely gone and she thinks that she's going to get paid $20 million for 12 hours of work is actually insane. I'm someone that have, I have three podcasts and I produce one for Betches, um, called the bachelor. It's, it's work for sure, but you don't need, she had 29 people on her staff working on that podcast, 29 people. You don't need that many people to make a podcast work, babe. If someone said, I'm giving you $20 million, I would never leave my fucking house until I put out so much fucking content. People would be sick of me. Okay. It's insane. Like, and so another segue, we're going to talk Harry and Megan really quick because Vanity Fair just put out an article about Harry and Megan, which is like kind of a big deal because it, this isn't the Daily Mail. This isn't um, page six who like notably hates them like they hate Harry and Meghan this is Vanity Fair and so the um the article says the air is coming out of is the air coming out of Harry and Meghan's content balloon after a best-selling memoir and a hit docuseries the couple's split with Spotify is kicking up criticism quote fucking grifters snapped Bill Simmons as a well as well as speculation about whether their a hundred million dollar Netflix deal could fizzle out next I mean, it's crazy. So they said, let's see, um, the veteran royal chronicler, 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 Tina Brown said they reached a whole new audience who now can't wait to see what happens next. And media analyst Rich Greenfield echoed the sentiment saying, I think this clearly shows whatever their profile was beforehand in the U.S. and globally, it's clearly that much larger now. I think the crossover appeal, Black Lives Matter meets the crown, is a fever pitch opportunity. So this was like, you know, off the heels of the Oprah interview. This is when they got the deal with Netflix and Spotify. Like they were getting fucking money. They were getting deals. They were being able to put out whatever they wanted. It's been two years and she's put out, they put out the docuseries. That was a flash in the pan. It was great. But then it, you know, you watched it, you binged it and then it was over. And then they put out the Spotify archetypes. She put out 12 episodes last fall and that was it. It, it's like, what are you doing over there? Like, what's going on? They've lost 15 people. They keep like losing people, hiring people, losing people, hiring people. It's like, what is happening? You've made a record sales record busting memoir, Vanity Fair puts it, earning himself the type of press blitz that most author, authors would kill for. Exactly. Their Netflix documentary was the highest viewed documentary debut on record, giving tens of millions of viewers something to love, hate as they closed out 2022. Like, that's the thing. Like, people want to consume the content that they're putting out, myself included. Whatever they put out, I'm watching, I'm listening, I'm reading, I have spare. I watch the docuseries. I listen to some of the interviews on Archetypes, which I have thoughts about. So it's just interesting that they're fumbling this bag. And like I, you know, this is a Housewives podcast at the end of the day. So things will always go back to Housewives. This is kind of how I felt about Salt Lake City is they were given something on a on a fucking gold platter. They were given what so many franchises would dream of, unfortunately, is a housewife being chased by the feds on national television, going through all of that trial, switching up her plea to guilty, like... They had everything and they fumbled it. So it just feels like, what are we doing here? So Vanity Fair puts it perfectly. A whoosh of air came out, came rushing out of the balloon last week when it was announced that Harry and Meghan and Spotify had, quote, mutually agreed to bail on the $20 million partnership they consummated back in 2020. Guys, it's 2023. That's three years with $20 million. I figure, I think someone could figure something out. Like, I think you should be fucking churning out content for $20 million. I just don't understand. Um, but press reports about the breakup haven't exactly worked in Harry and Meghan's favor, which is also really crazy because Meghan has signed with WME, um, which is like the top um, like talent agency that you like. That's where you want to get signed. Um, 
she and her um let's see sorry i just like want to make sure i get everything correct because i don't want people fucking dragging me but they will um so okay her team at wme will include power agent turn endeavor ceo ari emmanuel who is going to basically create the megan brand um so the fact that so much bad press is coming out about them and this is still like and she has that team behind her is like kind of strange um so it says the couple hadn't met the productivity benchmarks required to receive the full payout from the deal so i mean they're definitely not going to get 20 million dollars um the audio industry briefing pod news reported that quote some interviews on the show were done by other staffers with megan's questions edited afterwards a source familiar with the archwell deals said megan conducted all the primary guest interviews like those with mariah carey and mindy kalings of the world that right there kind of says a lot in my opinion because she had a lot of experts on the pod but she wasn't talking to them she was talking to Mariah Carey. She was talking to Minnie Kaling. She was talking to Andy Cohen. She was talking to celebrities. So it's just kind of interesting. So a former Spotify executive reacted to this, um, you know, whole situation. They remarked to BBC Radio 4, not bad for 12 hours of work. And that's kind of what I was saying, too. It's just really crazy. Um, so Bill Simmons... Um, who is the ringer founder. So he's like a podcasting like maverick, like maven. Um, he said, I wish I had been involved in the Megan and Harry leave Spotify negotiation, the fucking grifters. That's the podcast we should have launched with them. I have got to get drunk one night and tell the story of the zoom I had with Harry to try and help him with a podcast idea. It's one of my best stories. Fuck them. The grifters. Like, I feel like they are going to burn through L.A. very quickly. And I said this to Lex on Crown Jewels this week. I was like, L.A. is much of a big city as it is. I feel like there's it's a small town in the way that it operates with people behind closed doors. Like they're like once you start getting a reputation of like not putting out work and signing these contracts and doing all of this, it's like it's going to be notable when you don't do those things and people are going to want to work with you. And I have a thing about the Megan apologists, like the QAnon level um, type people. You guys, it's okay to criticize her. It's okay. Like she's not above that. At the end of the day, she was an actor on suits. Like she, what else has she really done? Like, I'm sorry. I understand that she's done a lot of philanthropy. That's beautiful. That's great. That's where her and Harry shine. I wish her and Harry would just fucking put their heads down and focus on the Invictus games. Give us a docu-series about the Invictus games. Lex said, give us something that had that has, like, you know how they do, like, the Formula One show. They have Breakpoint on Netflix. Like, give us something like that. It's how I felt about when Bethany turned like her all of her energy into like philanthropy when she helped Puerto Rico and Houston and Ukraine like COVID she really goes balls deep into that and I'm like that's where she shines like that's where Bethany is her at her best and that's how I feel about them is like they're good at shit like that so it's frustrating to see them trying to be these like content kings and queens and like not putting fucking anything out. He's also got seven lawsuits going on in the UK with the tabloids, one of which he's saying that his phones were hacked, which I 100% think that that happened. Um, he has every right to go after them, 100% not saying that he doesn't. But like it's a lot. You're doing a lot that's like not really doing anything. It's always kind of smoke and mirrors with them. Um so it's just kind of crazy. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what we can expect from them moving forward. Like it says the Vanity Fair writes, and yet the $100 million question remains. Does the world really want any more content from Harry and Meghan, let alone content that isn't about them? I found one possible answer to that question in a Tuesday column from The Guardian. Quote, experience and ratings continue to reveal that where the Sussex that's hard to say. Sussexes are concerned. People want to watch them complain about their lives and their treatment by the royal family. That is the sole genre in which Meghan and Harry truly pull in the eyeballs, which considering that they are literally the only people working in it still still feels like theirs to dominate. I agree. Like I, I wish that we got more of them. Like I wish that they would just 
stop thinking they're too good for a Kardashian style docu reality show. Like you're not, you're not. And at the end of the day, I want people to remember like as much as great, amazing self-work Harry has done and the therapy he's gone through, he still was raised a prince. He was still raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. He still is going to have just that internalized entitlement. Um, He's still going to act like that. Like when people were upset that, you know, now King Charles was like snappy with someone about a pen not working. It's like, yeah, he was raised to be the king of England, you guys. Like he's not, these aren't normal people. And so it's this idea that they sold us on this idea that they're like granola and they love to be barefoot and they love to run in the grass and they love to be normal and they love to take pictures. And it's like, I bought it all. And if they sold it to me again, I probably would buy it again, but they're not doing anything. They're lazy. That's just what it comes down to. I just feel like they're lazy. And I think that they're control freaks and they want everything to come out a certain way and make them look a certain way. But that comes off very inauthentic. It's just like frustrating you know, like when Megan, I forget what interview she did, but she's like, I don't watch TV. I like to do Wordle. I'm such a nerd. It's like, okay, Kendall Jenner, like we get it. Um, anyway, so that's that on that. Sorry for that really long tangent. Um, I just couldn't help myself. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> sorry. I, I don't know. Like, I know I'm going to get so much shit because the Megan army is like so intense and like, I need to make this clear. Like, I don't hate them. I am rooting for them. I want them to accomplish all the things that they want to accomplish, but I wish that they would like actually just do it. Stop talking about it. Stop like signing all these contracts and making all these deals and wheeling and dealing and making record breaking like, you know, millions of dollars. It's like, just put out the content. It's a podcast. I sit at my desk in Detroit, Michigan, staring outside, have my cat climbing all over my desk and I still make it happen. Okay. Granted, sometimes am I a little busy with my other job? Yeah, because I have bills to pay. I'm not a prince. I'm not a fucking prince. Okay? Thank you. Anyway, okay. Hard left again. Let's get into... I was going to talk about the Pussy Posse, which is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire, but that can be safer next week because now they're wearing matching necklaces. It's very weird. If you guys don't know about the Pussy Posse, Chris Lewis actually told me about it. It... um. It's insane. And the fact they're like almost 50 years old and they're like still doing this is like so embarrassing. Okay. Real Houses of Orange County, you guys, is return to form. I'm obsessed. I love it. It's light. It's airy. It's frothy. It feels like, it feels like a beautiful, delicious Italian lemon ice. That's how I feel when I watch it. I just feel free. I feel, I feel light. I feel good. Feels amazing. I am so happy Tamara is back. Seeing her and Heather. I feel like Tamara really levels Heather out, you know, because now that Tamara is here, Heather can kind of sit back and be the Heather we know and love, who's like a little, you know, snooty, fancy pants like vibe, but also like a mom and like, oh, whatever. So I, I'm into that. I feel like I'm also the only person on the planet who like doesn't really care about Taylor Armstrong. Everyone's like shitting themselves over her. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm I'm happy to see that she's doing well. I'm happy to see that, you know, she's happy and thriving and like, you know, Kennedy and she's got her, you know, her husband and all of that. But like, okay, like this feud with Heather feels like very old school. It feels very Malibu country, very hot in Cleveland. Season eight, if you remember season, yeah, it was eight, seven or eight. I don't remember season seven or eight. Um, with Reuben McIntyre and Lily Tomlin. I'll never forget. Um, so people are saying that it feels like that, which is so fun and I'm here for it. But like, I'm not like riveted by Taylor Armstrong coming back. Um, but something that's really shaking me to my core, you guys, shaking me to my core is my love of Emily Simpson. I love her. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I just kind of am obsessed I think she gives great personal storyline. I am not annoyed by her kids at all, which is a shock. I find her so stunning, beautiful, and gorgeous. I love to watch her on my screen. I think she's glowing. I also think she mixes it up with the gals. You know, she 
she she gets in there you know that that scene with her and jen chatting about um so you sent your husband to oklahoma so you could fuck this guy was beautiful i was here for it i was here for it i wasn't last year because i thought i thought last year she put it a little like too on like when she was like eating the turkey sub and like a sauna i was like that kind of like no one actually does that like even me like and i love to eat but like i'm not doing that so it just felt a little strange but i'm glad that i feel like she's back i feel good about it um i don't know i'm i'm into it and with tamra what i really respect about tamra is that it's clear she's a professional housewife because a lot of people a lot of housewives excuse me would their business would go out they would go out of business, the clothes, you know, shutter their doors. And I feel like, you know, they would try to make it like, oh, we wanted this to happen. Like we did this on purpose. Like we want to focus on other things like blah, blah, blah. And like they would kind of do it off camera. There's some man walking by in like full camo gear and a kid's backpack. How strange. Okay. Uh, hmm. Okay. Anyway, um, and Tamara didn't do that, you know, like Tamara's like, no, we're going to make it a moment. I didn't want this to happen, but we're going to make it a moment. And I respect that, you know, not a lot of housewives would do that. They would pretend that they, they did it on purpose. No offense. Sometimes the Gorgas did that with other nonos and nanas and pizza papalises and, you know, noodles and doodles. Like they, they closed those, that shit up, boarded it up. And we never heard about it again. We saw it open. We saw it. We didn't even see it close. We just never heard about it. It's kind of like the Kardashians and all their animals. Like they buy them and then they just like go away. It's really fascinating. I think the only one that keeps her dogs, honestly, is Kendall and Chloe. Except for Gabbana. May she rest. That was so sad. Um, her black lab. Family dog. Um, and What's interesting is Jen, the new girl, I almost called her Jen Armstrong. She came on the scene and she felt like an open book. I felt we were getting everything from Jen I thought she was going to be open about this affair I thought she was going to tell us everything and just kind of be like yeah like you know my husband and I it wasn't working out I saw this hot guy at the gym and we fucked and now we're in love like that's kind of the vibe she was giving so it's interesting now to watch her kind of pull back you know and I think a lot of housewives um Dylan Hafer from Bravo Bay Batches made a really good point the other day he was like it feels kind of like Danielle from New Jersey. Like she came on with this storyline in her head about her brother and thought, I'm going to say a couple things about it and that's it. And no one's ever going to ask me any questions about it. I won't have to answer anything else. And they're going to know what I want them to know. It's like, that's not how this works. You are going to come on the show with skeletons in your fucking closet. Even if you get ahead of it and you're like, yeah, I had this affair. Yeah, I cheated on my husband, whatever. There's going to be questions, babe. There's going to be questions and Emily has them and Emily's going to ask them because Emily is that bitch and she's standing at this table at the cut fitness closing party, which by the way, I cried when Eddie was talking. Chris texted me. He goes, Sam, I cried. And I was like, no, I cried too. It was very emotional. Like just hearing him like talk about it and like, you know, his health issues with this heart. Like, it, I don't know. I just like felt, I felt a type of way. But anyway, so Emily is sitting at this table with the girls and she just like simply asks like, did you have sex with him like while you were still married, like before you separated? And she was like, no, like, no, ma'am, I need you to be fucking for real. I need you in the quote of, in the words of Crystal Kung Minkoff to get real because there's no way, like there's no fucking way. She sent her husband to Oklahoma to go work with her family, work with her dad, apparently. And Emily's like, so you sent him out there and your affair started coincidentally around that same time. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. And I love that Tamara was like, you just like need to be honest. Like, because babe, if you're not going to be honest, Tamara will be honest for you. Period. That is the truth. And I was just really into this episode. You know, who's not doing it for me is Gina. She's like taking this whole like affair as like a personal like attack on her. And it's like, well, you forgave the husband that cheated on you. And then also like, did what he did. So maybe you need to shut the fuck up. It's like weird. Gina's so annoying. She's such a non-event. I don't understand like how she's been on the show for so long because I, I think she's almost so normal that like it bothers me. It's kind of like Teddy Mellencamp. Like I just think she's too normal like of a gal to like 
be palling around with these people. Like it just doesn't make sense. I also, I, I, I don't know. I also get stressed out by that house that she lives in that townhouse with like those nine kids. Like, oh my God. So stressful. Another thing I want to say that I loved is that when Heather's having dinner with her family, sorry, when Heather's having dinner with her family, we see the Chirons of like all her kids, you know, Nikki, Max, um, Nikki, Max and Kat. And then we get to Ace and it just says Heather's son. And I just love that that was just like matter of fact. It wasn't, you know, Heather didn't make it a big deal. No one on production made it a big deal. It was just like, this is the, this is our family. Like this is our, this is our son. And I just like love that. I know she made an Instagram post about it. And I thought that that was really beautiful. I think Heather is a great fucking mom. Um, I know she's nuts, but I think she's a great mom. I love how open and supportive they are, especially all that's going on with the LGBTQ community and like the attack on trans people um, and trans rights. And it's just really, really upsetting. So it's really nice to see that just be kind of normalized and not even like discussed. Um, I don't know. I really I appreciated that. I'm sure maybe later on the season it will come up maybe once, but I don't think it would. Maybe it won't, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm just really enjoying this season of Real Houses of Orange County. I'm thrilled um, that it's back and it's light and airy. There's drama, but nothing. everything is like low stakes. It's like, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Like I said, it's a lemon Italian ice of a show and I've th- I'm thoroughly enjoying myself. Um, that's all I have for today. Barb is getting a little rowdy over here. I got to go pick up Ruby from the groomer. I have to make some challah bread for tonight's Shabbat. Um, I'm not making a full dinner like I did last week, um, even though I fucking killed it. I, I'm going to start making challah every single Friday. Um, I really, my love language is acts of service. So, and I know people like shit on love languages. I think they're kind of fun. I think like, why can't we have some fun, you know, in this, in this shitty life? Um, so yeah, I'm an acts of service girly and that's just like, you know, I'm excited to like make it every Friday for his family and it's going to be beautiful. Also, guys, your messages are so sweet about this journey that I'm on. It's like so supportive, so kind. Like I truly couldn't ask for anything more. Um, absolutely all beautiful, stunning, gorgeous queens and kings. And yeah, I love you guys so much. Have a great, great, beautiful weekend. Hope everyone does whatever they want this weekend. Relax, be a slug, do whatever. Um, And I will see you guys next week. Bye. Media Production.